Before we begin the episode, I just wanted to let everyone know that you probably have noticed that the graphics have been updated and the podcast name has changed to Aspire to Lead. Now, the podcast is not changing. The format is completely the same. I will continue to have amazing educational leaders on this podcast as I interview them, but I did want to let everyone know of the update. The new name is Aspire to Lead. It's connected exactly to my website, to my book, to all of the other content that I'm producing. So um, the hashtag already is Aspire Lead. And so, you know, I just felt like as a brand, as a podcast, it probably should all be the same. The other exciting news is that the podcast has hit its four-year anniversary, and I just can't believe how quickly this time has gone by. Thank you to all of the many listeners over the years for taking the time to listen to the different variations of the show, not only the interviews, but the Aspire mailbags and the Aspire to Rise episodes with Sarah Johnson and, of course, the additional bonus episodes. I'm so appreciative of all of you, and I just thank you so much for those who have taken the time to write reviews on iTunes or other podcast applications for those who have purchased the book and have spent time with me over the last four years. I absolutely love this podcast, and I love supporting all of the educators and aspiring leaders. So now, on to the episode. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. I'm so excited to have Eva Morales on the show today. She is a reading specialist and instructional coach who helps teachers cut through the literacy noise and figure out what their students need most right now. She continues to help teachers perfect their craft and see ways to approach the reading concepts and to fit their personal teaching style. I can't wait to talk more about these different strategies, the new programs she's constructing, her podcast, and the many pieces of content that she continues to create. Eva, thank you so much for being on the Aspire podcast. Uh, Thanks for having me. Well, we've been connected for a long time to the Teach Better podcast network, and I absolutely love the many things that you're putting out as far as content and how you are helping educators all around this country. Before we dive into a lot of amazing topics on instructional coaching, I would love to hear about your educational and leadership journey. Uh, Thank you, Josh. So yeah, I started teaching in 1999, and I start there because teachers are leaders in their classrooms. I taught for two years. And then I went and led my own kids at home for six years and came back to the classroom and was kind of scrambling to find my footing in education again because I'd been out of the loop. And so I found myself having to lead myself. So I had to lead myself on the best instructional practices and study and implement. That kind of led me to have this passion in reading because that was the area that I was struggling the most in. And so I went back to school and got my master's in uh, literacy, and I am now a reading specialist certified K through 12, and I started that journey in 2016. Um, I was the lone reading specialist on a campus that was trying to transition to uh, guided reading and a more balanced literacy kind of framework. But then I also saw that they had needs before um, interventions and trying to do that. So I solicited a lot of help from different people in the district to navigate that because I was a first time PD developer and deliverer. (laughs) And then as well as 
trying to purchase things for a campus that was all new to me. And so I didn't have delusions of grandeur. I definitely sought help for that. And then I transitioned to the campus I'm at now and I've been there for a while. And there I am, I have a partner and we work together to teach and to pull groups. So I have a unique position where I get to pull students and work with them, but also um, coach teachers. And this year I got to coach new teachers and uh, their mentors in a monthly meeting and then held office hours for them as well. And that was really fun. New adventure this year, in addition to my other responsibilities. That's wonderful. So for those who are new teachers, what were some of the struggles that you see often with a first year teacher? And what was some advice that you provided this school year as you know, we are starting to get out of COVID and, and back in the classroom and, and seeing everyone in person? What were some of the pieces of advice that you provided? Well, of course, everyone was dealing with uh, behavior concerns this year because of uh, the pandemic and students coming back and having to deal with the demands in the classroom. And so for new teachers, it was about being consistent. I did provide PD and some of the Teach Like a Champion different strategies that they could use, but I kept it very minimal. Like we did one a month and had them implement that. And when it came to their literacy instruction, it was really like, what's the main thing that we want to focus on? And let's hone in on that. So I really tried to keep it minimal. Like you still have to do the other things that you have to do, but, and this might be blasphemous, but you're not going to be excellent at everything all the time. And so what are the things you want to focus on? Get really, really good at those and then still be doing your job in the others, but you're not going to be excellent at everything all at once. And that was really my advice consistently. And also a lot of teachers are type A driven, want to be good now. And so I found myself repeating the advice is you can't skip the growth, right? You're not going to be good at everything right now. And you're going to have to give yourself time to grow. You're you're not going to be able to skip over that and be teacher of the year and excellent right away. No, it's so true. And I love that you were talking about that a little bit in your own leadership journey when you started to become a reading specialist and a coach. So when you were going through your first year or even now, how are you growing within your leadership and your coaching skills while you're trying to help others grow also? Well, this year in particular, I did, I definitely wanted to grow as a coach. And so I was reading the student center coaching book, uh, The Moves. And then I put it, I put that goal into my own, in Texas, we use T-tests, so into my own goal. And so I put reading the book in there. And then I implemented that with the teachers that I coached this year. So I kind of held myself accountable. It was a book that I bought that had actually been sitting on my shelf. (laughs) And I was like, I need to make myself do it. So I put it into my uh, T-test to do that. And then um, in coaching the teachers, I noticed that the teachers didn't just need the mechanics of how to run a classroom, they needed the mechanics of how to be resilient. So I was, um, another book that was on my shelf was the book Onward. And I was like, okay, so I can put some of these things into some of the things I'm reading in Onward and put them into my slides and kind of synthesize it and teach it to my teachers and my mentors. So at the same time, I'm growing my capacity, but also sharing it with them. But it was kind of like that same thing, making myself do it. And one way I did that by it was by sharing it with them. 
And then another book I was was on my shelf that I was making myself read was a DIY literacy. And what I did with that is I turned it into a PD that where the teachers could kind of like DoorDash PD. And I got that idea from another Instagram account that they were doing it on their campus and I adapted it for my needs. And so um, again, I read my part of the book, I flipped it, made some slides, made a video, and then the teachers were able to pick which PD they wanted, brought it to them, they watched it, they implemented it, they showed video, and they were able to earn credit for that. DoorDash PD. I like that name. That's cool. So a lot of people I know are, are shifting into new roles as we end the school year. There's going to be a lot of, of that happening in the summer also. So for our folks that are going to be instructional coaches next year for the first time, what were some of your struggles that you had to deal with within that role? For coaching, it was definitely building relationships. I tend to be a strong, opinionated person, and I am really quick to see the solution to a problem, which can be a problem. So I've had to really learn to rein myself in, but also also try to stay true to myself. And so I'm learning how to ask more questions of the teachers that I'm coaching, but also still, you know, get to the point of what, what I see going on. But I guess the best thing would be to be self-aware, right? To kind of get to know yourself and have people in your corner that are going to be real with you and tell you um, when maybe you've had a misstep or maybe you're coming off a certain way who are just going to be those mirrors for you. Be willing to be to be wrong and to say that you've been wrong. So I've definitely had to have some conversations this year where I've had to say, hey, I, you know, I missed, I misstepped here. Can we come back to this and start over or whatever, and just kind of reconcile some things. Don't let those missteps or even the way you think you might come across stop you from trying. Because a lot of times then you just want to go into a corner and not even bother. And that's not going to solve anything or help anybody either. No, that's a great point. And I'm thinking of the the teachers that are potentially in their classroom saying, I'm a good teacher. I don't need coaching. What are some of the things that you use as far as strategies to, to allow them to understand that, you know, everyone needs coaching? Actually, I've had, I've had some of those where the teacher doesn't feel like they need coaching. And so what I've offered to do at times is co-teach a lesson. And I'm like, great. I, I miss being in the classroom. I love working with my striving readers, but sometimes um, in my field, we're kind of told to use these box curriculums and that doesn't give a lot of room for creativity, right? Because a lot of the coaches were really good teachers, effective teachers that loved teaching. And so you want to keep that going. So a lot of times I've coached by osmosis just by being in the room, right? I can see that they're listening. And to be honest, I'm listening. I'm picking up things too. So the other thing would would be to keep being a learner. And I think that helps the teachers receive you better also if you don't think you have it all together. So the other thing is that good teachers actually do want coaching. A lot of times what I've found is that we have made an assumption. We assume that the teachers have it all together. I was talking to a colleague because I recently released an episode about guided book clubs. And I said that I I did it that way because I was kind of a control freak. (laughs) I couldn't just let the kids be talking on their own. But I was reflecting like if I'd had a coach that would have come alongside me and helped me kind of work that out, even though I was a good, strong teacher, that I might have been able to explore that better. But I was proud of myself for trying it anyway. And so what I've found with the good teachers that I, the good, strong teachers is that they actually still want to grow. And that what sometimes what they need is for you to see a lesson and call out the good things that they are already doing 
And then they're also receptive to wanting to see you. The good teachers keep wanting to grow. So don't always, don't assume that they're doing just fine. Check in on them. They're also not going to be the ones to come and say, I need help. But if you kind of have a one-on-one with them and you make yourself available and you're kind of in their, you know, in their area, then they will, they will gravitate towards you. So obviously with the new school year, there's been a lot of initiatives and a lot of campuses and, and the capacity for teachers seems pretty low. How have you helped your administration, your campus with these new initiatives so that the teachers don't feel overwhelmed? By making mistakes and doing everything that I'm told to do and then having to backpedal. When you're in leadership, you're in a tough role because you're kind of having to dispense this information. So we do our due diligence and we dispense the information that we are told to dispense. But then we come back and we say, okay, what do we want to repeat? Kind of like in your classroom, right? When you're teaching, you have to reteach and review. And so we focus on what do we need to reteach and review? And we come back to that. Like we still have a role to play. We still have a job, right? So we still have to do the things we're asked to do, but you have to pick which mountains you want to die on. And we don't try to die on all of them. And we don't ask our teachers to either. We, we, We have a lot of conversations about what's the priority right now. So you mentioned it before, and I want to bring it up, the Reading Teachers Playbook podcast. You are putting out a lot of content for instructional coaches, for reading specialists. So I want to know the backstory. Why did you decide to create this podcast? I remember being an upper elementary teacher. I've taught third and I've taught fifth. And I remember reading all the blog posts, reading all the books, and then implementing it and then having to do it all over again. And I wanted to create a podcast for upper elementary teachers where they didn't have to do all that work on their own, where I had kind of sifted the information for them. Um, Most episodes are no more than 15 minutes. They're quick and you can turn around, have actionable points that you can implement in your classroom the next day. All right. So if someone's never listened to the podcast, what is something that they're going to benefit from as soon as they turn on an episode? just practical tips and I keep it real. You're, you're going to be able to implement the things in your classroom right away. They're actionable tips, but also I, I just, I try to be honest and real about where, where things are right now and how that impacts the classroom and what do your kids need most right now. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. Well, and I'm so ecstatic that you're a part of the Teach Better Podcast Network. You, again, have amazing content, not only on the podcast network, but then you blog. You also have newsletters that you put out. I'm I'm a subscriber to your email list, so I love the content that you send out there. But you also have some fantastic news that I want you to share with my listeners, which is uh, that you're launching something. So what is that? Uh, yes, I'm launching my consulting, educational consulting business called Eva Mirellas Literacy Simplified, where I would provide PD to schools and also just coach teachers one-on-one on best teaching practices that are effective and get teachers feeling like they can make an impact in their classroom and their literacy block right now. So Eva, so if, if someone's listening to this and they're like, yes, I, I want help because I'm struggling in several different roles potentially, or they want to build upon their skills, how can they get a hold of you? 
Um, the best place is my website, which is www.evermiddellis.com. And then um, you can click on the work with me tab if you want to schedule a call with me. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Miss Eva Mirellis, and as well as Twitter and on Facebook. You're just on all the socials, aren't you? <laughs> I'm primarily on Instagram because I also, you know, work full time, but that's, that's my favorite place to hang out. We're going to pause for just a second as I ask you, the listener, have you ever wondered if you could be a leader in your school or in your district? My book, Aspire to Lead, is available now as I share a practical guide for aspiring leaders to enhance your leadership capacity. As we all know, leadership is extremely difficult, and getting that experience needed to advance can be a huge challenge. In this book, you'll find the Aspire model, which is infused with stories of past failures and successes to guide with actionable steps to enhance your skills. In addition, you'll find fantastic resources and contributions from 11 influential leaders. You can find Aspire Lead on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart. If you have a chance to read the book, please take a moment to leave a review on any of the online platforms that you made your purchase. Now, let's get back to the interview. Well, let's talk about some other things because you're extremely busy. I know that you've got some courses in addition. So what is it that you're putting out as far as your courses? I have a course that I'm putting out um, again this summer. It's called the uh, Teaching Reading 101. And it's really my answer to the question, how in the world do I structure my reading block and get quote unquote everything in? Um, I even provide teachers with a rollout plan for what to roll out in their reading block when, because unfortunately teachers are made to feel like they have to be good at everything all at once and put out everything all at once and basically like have all the spinning plates. And so I'm, I'm going to be showing you how to put one plate at a time. So eventually all the plates are spinning, but we don't, we don't start there. Yeah. I love that analogy. I feel like I'm dropping plates here and there every once in a while with the busyness, but um, I know that's a skill that could be used for many educators. So in addition to your courses, I talked about um, the newsletter. I feel like you give a lot of free content. I don't know if you feel that way too, but I want to make sure that my listeners are getting provided with really solid pieces of advice, but then also not always going to cost them money. And so what is it in your newsletter that you provide? Um, Well, this last series had to do with um, test taking strategies that teachers could implement in their classroom because in Texas, we're getting ready to take our state assessment. Um, But really, it's just about needling down and giving just like almost like we're having a a one-on-one conversation. So that's the feel that I wanted to give. And also, it's kind of like free coaching in your email. So definitely check that out. You can sign up on um, Eva's uh, website. That's an amazing resource for you. And then you've got a couple speaking gigs, I think, coming up this summer, don't you? Yes. So I'm going to be a part of the Sibling Coaching Summit um, in the early part of July, July 11th to 13th, and then also part of the Upper Elementary Teachers Conference that's going to be coming up. July 17th to the 23rd. Yes. The two conferences are both in July, so that's going to be awesome. So definitely check those out, and I'll have those links in the show notes with actually everything um, for Eva. And you know it's coming. The last question here. For my aspiring leaders, and they want some actionable items, what is it something they can do tomorrow or next week to help their leadership skills? Um, since we're kind of at the end of the year, I guess the biggest thing would be to reflect, right? Reflect on what went well, because sometimes um, the coaches, again, are also type A leaders that are always wanting to grow, which is great, but reflecting on what went well 
And then what is an area, one area that you want to grow in? Because I feel like most of my success in the classroom and as a leader has come from picking one thing for the year that I really want to focus on. And that's what I'm needling down. And this is what my books are around and everything and not trying to do everything at once. All right. So I'm curious. I don't want to put you on the spot, but what is your one thing after you reflect after this year that, that you want to improve on? I definitely want to grow in coaching um, our new teachers. Our district has to focus on just the first year. And I'd like to create an initiative where I'm helping to continue that for the second year. So that will be completely new to both of us, to me, to our campus. Um, But growing also in having it be more of a PLC where there's more conversation. It's not just me kind of, you know, being the sage, giving the advice. And we did have time to talk, but I just want to create that experience for them. All right. You got me thinking now. So what is the model that you're currently working with as far as first year teachers? And then how would you expand that to second year? The way that it was set up this year is that we met monthly. The the bare requirements were that we met monthly with the teachers and their mentors. And we provided PD that was provided from the district. But I kind of added my own thing, like I mentioned, with adding things from the book onward. And then I also added uh, things from Teach Like a Champion. I also provided a biweekly newsletter. Um, and weekly uh, office hours for them as well. So those were kind of the things that I beta tested. Yeah. Um, but I think next year, what I'd like to do is kind of just create an atmosphere where the the, the second year teachers can kind of come together. You're less fight or flight, right? Because when you're that first year teacher, you're literally a deer in the headlights. You have a million things coming at you. And so I kind of just want to create an environment where we're still talking through the struggles, but then they're kind of learning how to talk to each other as well and not just uh, their mentors and not just me. But how do I use my fellow teachers as a resource and not just in that traditional way where we're in the lunchroom, you know, decompressing and venting, but just helping each other find those constructive solutions. Love it. All right. So one last time for people to connect with you, how would they do that? What's the best way? Uh, the best thing would be on my website, www.evamidellis.com, or my favorite place to hang out is Instagram, um, at Miss Eva Midellis. Wonderful. Definitely connect with Eva. She is an amazing resource. I lean on her all the time on Voxer uh, through some of our podcast network events. So uh, definitely check out the podcast too. Like I said, all of these things will be in the show notes. So uh, make sure that you are clicking those links and trying to get, consume as much as you possibly can from this amazing instructional leader. Eva, thank you so much for being on the Inspire Podcast. Thanks for having me. This is fun.